Matthew Liebertor returned to the bigs yesterday and gave the St. Louis Cardinals a much-needed boost in the arm. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash MLB, And when you enter promo code LOCKEDONMLB, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with your order. Again, birddogs.com slash locked on MLB, promo code locked on MLB. So left-handed pitcher Matthew Liebertor uh, was called up by the St. Louis Cardinals to make a start on Wednesday versus the Brewers, and he pitched rather well. Five innings pitched, three hits, no runs, three walks, six strikeouts, 95 pitches, 57 of those were strikes. And the big thing here is he really struggled in his previous appearances in the bigs. He started seven games in 2022 for the St. Louis Cardinals. Two and two, five nine seven ERA with 28 strikeouts and 34 and two-thirds innings to 18 walks. So, Libertor knew he had to do something to fix everything coming into this season if he wanted a chance to make it. So, Worked on a new strength and conditioning regimen over the winter. As I understand, the goal was 4,300 calories a day combined with uh, significant weightlifting, flexibility, conditioning stuff. He ended up adding somewhere around 25 pounds of weight. Not all muscle, it's not feasible, but added healthy weight and got in much better shape. And you could see some of that when you looked at the game, you saw. The pitches, the pitch velocities, everything was thrown harder from when it was thrown last year. So in the outing, again, 95 pitches, Matthew Libertor throws 48 four-seam fastballs, so about 51%. Uh, It averages 95 miles an hour, whereas it was 93 last year, and he touches 97.6 with it, which we're going to round that up to 98. So he touches 98 and he averages 95. Much better than it was in the past. For the curveball, that big, that probably the best uh, best pitch that he has, uh, throws 34 of those. That's 36% of the time. Throws seven sinkers, throws five sliders, and one changeup. I have to be honest, I really wanted to see a lot more of the sliders. I feel like that was a really good pitch when he introduced it last year. It is a gyro slider and does really well to get chase versus lefties. Big fan of that. The changeup and the sinker to me are kind of interchangeable because they have the same, uh, the, the, the change at the two seamer, they kind of have the same shape and the same movement. It's just something where obviously the velocity is different. The sinker set averaged 96, touched 97. The one changeup he threw was 90 miles an hour. I'd rather just maybe just, it's a different velocity band, I know, but maybe figure out one of those two versus maybe throw in both of them in the same outing. 
in the outing, Matthew Liberatore gets 12 swings and misses. So it's about 29% right there. Eight on the fastball, four on the curveball. Finishes the outing with a 28% CSW rate. Called strikes plus whiffs. That's one of the big things we talked about. You're shooting for right around 30%. So he was right where it needed to be. Despite the improved velocity on the fastball, uh, it actually on Stuff Plus from Fangraphs, and I was waiting to record this until uh, we got that report out, it actually grades out below average on Stuff Plus. It's a a 79 on Stuff Plus, whereas again, we're kind of indexing this to around 100. And so getting 35% whiff on that, despite the poor performance in the model tells you the velocity is absolutely helping and it's better than what it was last year on Stuff Plus, but maybe working on a little bit more of the shape. Uh, The curveball and the sinker both come out just over 100, 102. Uh, He does get three strikeouts on the curveball, three strikeouts on the fastball. And again, the slider, uh, according to the models, was the best pitch, a 122 stuff plus, but he only threw five of them. Where, you know, and then I mentioned the changeup and the two-seamer kind of being interchangeable as far as movement. The changeup's an 88 stuff plus, the sinker's a 102. So I think he kind of used the changeup right as a change of pace. If you felt like they were on the two-seamer, you could slow them down with the changeup and get them to roll over it or miss a bat or whatever. But, What I loved about this start was, uh, one, only four hard hit balls. So doing a good job of working the two separate fastballs, working the curveball, being able to land it when he needed to land it, and overall just avoiding leaving stuff sitting over the middle of the plate. Both the four-seamer and the curveball, he threw it in the zone less than half of the time. So a lot of those swings and misses were guys chasing, chasing the fastball up, chasing the curveball down. And then he went to the sinker and the slider to get strikes in the zone. Both of those were over 50% strikes when Matthew Liberatore threw the sinker and the slider. Again, want to find a way to see him to get a little bit more of that slider in the game. Just feel like he could throw it more often than he did. But... Either way, very impressed with what Matthew Libertor did against the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, For fantasy perspectives, I would be hesitant about grabbing him based off of this performance uh, simply because his next start is projected to be against Cincinnati at Cincinnati. So in Great American Small Park, going to be a little bit harder for him to avoid uh, home runs and things like that just because of the dimensions of the park. Playing in Cincinnati is never great for a pitcher. So if it feels like he's going to last on the waiver wire, maybe wait until after that. Or if you don't think he'll last, go ahead and grab him, but put him on your bench. Maybe consider not starting him versus Cincinnati simply because it's such a disadvantage to be in that ballpark. In just a minute, let's talk about the debuts. We've seen Casey Schmidt. Shortstop for the San Francisco Giants. We've seen Matt McClain, shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds. And we're going to break down what these guys have done. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at So Rare. It's a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace where the fan becomes an 
owner. It's officially licensed digital cards with players from all 30 MLB teams, and you own the fantasy experience. You can collect, you can buy, you can sell, you compete with your cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards, and there is no cost to play. You go to SoRare.com slash LockedOn, S-O-R-A-R-E.com slash LockedOn to draft a team of free player cards. I've been playing since they started sponsoring the show, and I have not spent a single penny, and I've won some pretty cool stuff. My team, when I drafted my team, I tried to go for diversity. So, starting pitcher, relief pitcher, corner infielder, middle infielder, outfielder are the five set positions. And then you can have an extra hitter in your lineup and a flex that can be anybody except for Shohei Otani. He breaks the game. And every time you finish a game week, which is twice a week, Friday through Sunday or Monday through Thursday, depending on where you finish on the leaderboards, you can get uh, merchandise, uh, tickets, signed jerseys, all kinds of things like that. But you always get another card to add to your team. And if you don't like the distribution of cards per position, you can easily swap them in and out. You get one free swap of a card per day. So go to SoRare.com slash LockedOnMLB to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. Okay, looking at some guys who were called up and have made some starts recently. There's two middle infielders that I want to talk about. The first one is Casey Schmidt of the, of the San Francisco Giants. Uh, he was the second rounder in 2020 by the Giants out of San Diego State. And he was working, he was playing the infield with San Diego as well as serving as their closer. And you can see how strong that arm is when you watch him play defense. He's been playing third base a lot in the minors, or he was drafted kind of as a third baseman and listed as a third baseman, but he's played a lot of shortstop. He is the best defensive infielder in their system. And so he gets called up. He's gotten eight games, so just over a week. He is 14 of 32, so it's a 438 uh, batting average, 438 on base, 750 slugging, two home runs, six extra base hits in eight games, no walks to four strikeouts and 0 for 1 on stolen bases. The scouting report on Casey Schmidt going into 2022 was his hit tool, his power tool were both probably a little bit below where they needed to be. And some of the issues was his swing and then his biomechanics. So the swing as in the bat path, as in the extra, extra junk in his swing. It was a busy swing, a lot of things in there. And then biomechanically, he was having trouble getting the full rotational bot up, force in there, stiff hips, things like that. Couldn't turn and fire through the hips to get the full uh, biomechanical change from feet all the way into the hands transferred into the bat. So did a lot of work to kind of fix that, working on hip mobility specifically, and then working on simplifying the swing, uh, getting it a little better. And I feel like now, uh, going into 2023, Baseball America had him listed as a 55 hit tool and a 50 power tool. I feel like it's, it's probably 55 for both. Uh, in AAA Sacramento, 32 games, he, went, he got like four games last year. 
at the end of the year in Sacramento. So he went back to start the year. 313, 352, 410. One home run, but 11 extra base hits. Shooting gaps, hitting gaps. Despite not having amazing speed, he's probably average as far as speed goes. Still racked up those, those, uh, those 10 doubles. Eight walks to 28 strikeouts, three for three on stolen bases. Uh, the, so the power binge that he's been on in MLB has been a little bit, I guess, more surprising than we expected. And I think as time goes on, you may see some of that performance back off a little bit as teams understand how to attack him. He's been really good against sinkers. Um, I mean, he's batting 714, 1429. I'm sorry, 714 batting average, 1429 slugging against sinkers. Uh, sliders and sweepers seem to be kind of the issue. He doesn't have a hit off of either pitch yet. So I can see teams kind of adjusting there. But now that Brandon Crawford's back, he went from playing shortstop every day. He's also made a start at second, a start at third. And I feel like the versatility and the skill of the defense is going to allow him to stay up and continue to play almost every single day. Uh, He has a a throw across the infield, 92.9 miles an hour. It uh, is the fastest infield throw on an out that StatCast has recorded this year. O'Neill Cruz had one at 92.8. Last year, O'Neill Cruz set this number at like a 97, but Cruz just didn't have one of those that strong before he broke his ankle. So Casey Schmidt has the hardest throw for an infielder for an out this season. And it's going to be really interesting to see, one, can he continue hitting for power because he's already hit more home runs in MLB in eight games than he hit in AAA in 32. And then two, how much does he? How much run does he get now that Brandon Crawford is back? Does he play a lot of third base? Because I do think moving his, his arm to second is a little bit of a waste of that arm. But if you want to have him play third almost every day, it dramatically improves the defense from that left-hand side between him and Brandon Crawford. The other guy, and a little bit less of a track record on him, but the other guy who's come up recently and has gotten some playtime in the middle infield is Matt McClain of the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, 2021 first rounder out of UCLA, a guy we've talked about quite a bit on this show. Uh, has gotten in two games. He did not start on Wednesday night. Jose Barrero took back over shortstop to, to play. But two for eight in those two games that he's played so far. Uh, has a, a double, two runs in an RBI, one walk to four strikeouts. Was having a very, very good year before he was called up. 38 games in Louisville and AAA. 348, 474, 710. 12 home runs, 25 extra base hits, 29 walks to 34 strikeouts, and 10 of 15 on stolen bases. Uh, Defensively, from what I've seen, he's made all four chances that he had. He turned a double play. It looked pretty smooth. He hasn't seemed like he's overwhelmed at shortstop. He should be fine. And he did a lot of work in the offseason to kind of help build that strength. You can see it, one, in the powered numbers. The other question I have is, will you see it in the arm strength, we don't have enough throws for StatCast to qualify. And will you see it in the durability? Is he able to play almost every day? Because it felt like uh, previously he was a little bit stretched at short. And he's been playing almost exclusively short this year in, in AAA. 
felt like he was stretched a little bit short. And so there's still a question of, is he going to be a super utility guy who can do short and second and center field or an outfield position? Or is he going to be able to stick as the everyday shortstop? Because right now, you've got Kevin Newman and Jose Barrero who were splitting time and were completely ineffective at short in Cincinnati. And I would love for you to be able to play just one guy in Matt McClain, have the versatility where if you had to cover second, if Jonathan India gets hurt or something like that, uh, you could do that as well as he could kick out to the outfield to cover if you need something out there. So how Matt McClain gets used going forward is going to be really interesting. It's something where neither one of these guys is going to qualify their team for a prospect promotion incentive pick. So the draft pick the team gets, if you finish in uh, the top of the rookie of the year voting or MVP or Cy Young, if it's a pitcher, uh, neither one of these guys will qualify their team for a PPI pick. And it's for two reasons. One, the rule was you have to get a full year of service time in your rookie year. They will not do that. They will not get a full year of service time because we have passed that deadline and neither one of them was up last year to have any accumulated service time. So they will not accrue a year of service time uh, via the standard method. The other reason is you have to be on two of the three top 100 prospect lists. They define that as MLB Pipeline, Baseball America, and ESPN. And neither one of those guys were on two of the three. I want to say McLean was on one. I don't think Casey Schmidt was on any of the three top 100 lists to open the season. I think he may have gotten onto one uh, during one of the re-rates. I don't think he was there to open the season. So, either way, neither one of those guys are going to qualify their teams for PPI picks. So, but it's something where they can still finish in the Rookie of the Year voting and earn a year of service time, but the pro like and earn themselves a year of service time. But the program where the team gets a, a draft pick for them doing it, they, will not, they are not in that program because of service time and because of top 100 prospect list reasons. In just a minute, we've had some interesting movement, guys being promoted from the minors, guys being sent back down to the minors, and then movement within the minor leagues. And we'll get to that next. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. Listen, I love Bird Dogs. They sent me a package early this week, had a couple different pairs of shorts. The names are hilarious. I literally cannot repeat them on this show, but go look at birddogs.com slash locked on MLB to see these hilarious names. And they are incredibly comfortable. I chose standard length on the shorts. I chose, yes, I want the liner. Uh, in retrospect, I kind of wish I'd gotten them a little bit shorter. Uh, the, the standard length is fine, but you feel you look and you feel so good. I just, I, I can't help, like, my legs look great in the bird dogs. And as an athema as it sounds, I kind of want less bird dogs on my legs to show off more of how good my legs look. Uh, I can, I mean, I, I can go anywhere. I can go to the grocery store. I can go to, to out to get lunch. I can go to a happy hour. I can go do a, do a radio hit or something. I can go to the golf course. Wherever I choose to go, I feel like I'm appropriately dressed. I look great. Not only the beard, we know that, but because of the bird dog shorts, if you have to go somewhere where they insist on long sleeves on your legs, bird dogs has pants. They also have joggers. So plenty of options for you. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. When you enter promo code 
Locked on MLB. They'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs branded Yeti style tumbler with every single order. So birddogs.com slash locked on MLB, promo code locked on MLB to get a free Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. Okay, a couple transactions we've seen guys moving up, guys moving down. Taj Bradley was recalled by the Tampa Bay Rays to make a start on Thursday. Uh, he will have already made that start by the time this show comes out, so you'll know how he did. Something he did, he pitched pretty well in the three appearances that he made before they sent him back down. He was working on some stuff, working in the changeup, working on pitching on less rest, things like that down in the minors. The numbers didn't look great, but he's come back. You, by now, you have seen the stats from that start. I have not. I'm going to predict that he did pretty well. I'm going to predict that the, I don't know if he got the win or not, but I'm going to predict that he pitched pretty well. So uh, he is back. Going down from MLB sitting down to AAA, outfielder Alec Thomas of the Arizona Diamondbacks really kind of struggled as far as the offensive production for Alec Thomas. 195, 252, 327 slash line this year. Little bit of that was bad luck. His expected stats, when you pull it up on StatCast, his expected stats, uh, 247 batting average, so 50 points higher, and uh, 387 slugging, so 60 points higher. Still not great. 387 slugging is not amazing, but it's better than a 327. So a little bit of bad luck, batting average on balls and play kind of stuff, but also he just really struggled against breaking pitches. And when teams realized that, they dramatically increased how many breaking pitches they threw him. Uh, He had four hits. Three of them were singles on breaking pitches. And his batting average on breaking stuff this year, 121 with a 152 slugging. And that's the difference in last year and this year for Alec Thomas. Because last year for Alec Thomas, on breaking stuff, 264 batting average, 426 slugging. So the difference, the inability to hit the breaking pitches, that's what really got Alec Thomas this year. And something where if you're in a dynasty league, I still believe he can be a good player. You may be able to go out and get him for incredibly cheap from that owner who probably had him, depending on on, on positional availability, might have had him as their starting center fielder before they grabbed a guy off the wire to replace him. You may be able to get him. I still think he'll end up being a better uh, real-life player than a fantasy player, but still something there. We talked about Braves right-hand pitcher A.J. Smith-Shaver on Monday's show. Uh, talked about how good he's been in uh, both high A and double A. The next run he allows this year will be the first run he's allowed this year. Atlanta promoted A.J. Smith-Shaver on Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, to triple-A Gwinnett. So he was in high school two years ago, and to start this season, he was in high A, and he is now in triple A. He got two starts in double A. Both of them had rain, and so uh, he never really got a chance to get comfortable with that wet or that that pre-tacky Southern League baseball. He's moving away from that. I've talked to some folks close to the situation, and the Braves really wanted him to face better quality opponents. They wanted guys with Major League Baseball hitting approaches. 
versus guys who were still developing. And he was just like, from a talent perspective, just better than them. So rather than just be able to blow it by him, they wanted, it's more of the working on being a pitcher and less of a thrower. Reminder, he's got the great fastball. He's got the great slider. He scrapped the changeup for a curveball that looks really promising. And so you're looking at a three-pitch mix. He's going to be able to get extended run in Gwinnett. His first start is tonight. I believe he is on the road at Memphis. So we'll get Jordan Walker versus AJ, AJ Smith-Shawver. And I'm very excited to finally get stat cast data on AJ Smith-Shawver and his pitches and what he does. Uh, some other movements in the minors. The Dodgers sent two outfielders to AAA on April on, on May 14th. Uh, Johnny DeLuca and Andy Pajes. Andy Pajes immediately injured his shoulder on the 16th, and he went on the seven-day IL with an, uh, uh, some sort of shoulder injury. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know if it's a separation, a sublection. I don't know what it is, but he has a shoulder injury. He came out of the game on the 15th at, after a swing holding the shoulder, uh, and he is out for at least seven days now. Luis Matos of the San Francisco Giants got promoted to AAA Sacramento. Uh, Something where he struggled in high A Eugene in 2022. And it was something where, I mean, 91 games, he batted 211, 275, 344. Just wasn't making the quality of contact that they were wanted. He was very aggressive. And so he was making suboptimal contact. So they gave him things to work on in the offseason. They sent him to double A Richmond. I believe that's the Flying Squirrels to open this year. And... He did the stuff they asked. 31 games since the season started. 304, 398, 443 slash line. Three home runs, 10 extra base hits. The big thing to me, the batter's eye improved significantly. 17 walks to 12 strikeouts. 9 to 13 on stolen bases. So he is go so he is now in AAA Sacramento. And what I find really interesting here is. There's already talk about who's going to be available at the trade deadline, who's not going to be available at the trade deadline. Like that, That's a thing already. One of the names I keep seeing thrown around a ton is Jock Peterson, the outfielder and the DH uh, for the San Francisco Giants. Luis Matos is on the 40-man roster. So there is a possibility that he comes up this year and can play center field and corner outfield if. Jock Peterson gets moved by the Giants. Taking, his pl- taking Luis Matos' place in AA Richmond was Vaughn Brown. They brought him back from the injured list. Uh, something where he is uh, one of the fastest players in this system, one of the best athletes in this system, 70-grade speed, above-average defender. Uh, something where offensively, Kind of, again, kind of a funky swing, kind of like Casey Schmidt, working on streamlining it, kind of like Casey Schmidt did, uh, getting a little better. He got just about, he got a grand total of nine games before the injury. The three games he got in high A Eugene, I'm sorry, the five games in high A Eugene, 300, 391, 550. He was six for 20 with a home run and two doubles, two walks to five strikeouts, two for two on stolen bases. So started the year, in low A San Jose, goes to high A, now goes to double A in the same season. And last year, he did low A, high A, double A. So it's it's the same pattern there. And some of this is rehab stuff. But still, he got 
four games in low A, five games in high A, and now he is going to be sitting in double A. Uh, looking for him to, oh, he had a great year in high A last year, 43 games, 350, 454, 611. So not technically making the move from low A to double A, but definitely something where uh, excited to see what Von Brown can do. Again, fantastic athlete, has to clean up the swing a bit, but has a ton of potential and honestly a really high ceiling simply because of all of the insane tools that he has. Final show of the week. Reminder, Monday's episode is a mailbag. We do it every single week. If you have a question for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com or drop your questions in the Locked on MLB Prospects Discord. Links in the episode description. Links in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer.